to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. From Genesis. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no vegetation of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground and breathed into the human's nostrils the breath of life. And the human became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there God put the human whom God had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God put the human in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. My people are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Thanks be to God. When I look out in the congregation and think about people who might come forward to speak um, about their own commitments to environmental justice and to care of creation, it's kind of embarrassing because they're like 80 people who I could probably reach out to in this congregation and come forward and who could talk eloquently. Uh, so to choose uh, two is, uh, is hard. But today, uh, there are two members of this church who are going to come forward and share a little bit about their own life journey and their own life story as a way to encourage and inspire and nurture your faith and your engagement in creation care. Uh, the first one is our newest member. Uh, his name is Patrick Casale. Uh, he was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, been in the United States for a couple of years. Um, he uh, took a master's degree and, uh, in conservation uh, and has for a long time been, uh, been an, uh, just an engaged human in the love and care of creation and 
he has most recently invested himself in the Clarkston neighborhood where he is creating a new nonprofit uh, to get young people into the nature and to love and enjoy nature. Uh, the second person you're going to hear from is Dr. Dabney Dixon. Um, Dabney uh, has, uh, is a professor of bio, uh, biochemistry at Georgia State University. Um, did her PhD at MIT, right, many moons ago. Uh, which, but you, you don't get uh, to do your PhD at MIT by accident. She's a brilliant person. Uh, but more than that, um, she is a compassionate soul. Um, she's been involved in the, um, the STEM program at Georgia State to encourage more uh, black graduates in the sciences. Uh, but she's also a longtime uh, board member of Georgia Interfaith Power and Light and herself is theologically trained as a scientist. So will you welcome Patrick and Dabney uh, to come and speak with us this morning? All right, that's good. Good morning and um, Happy Sunday to all of us. Um, first, um, I want to just correct something. I've been in this country for seven years now, not two years. Um, my name is Patrick, and uh, I am a proud new member of uh, this community. Um, in six days, uh, the world will celebrate Earth Day. It's going to be next Saturday, I guess. And I like to see my life, I like to see my daily life as Earth Day. So in my life, Earth Day is every day. And I celebrate and praise our beautiful planet, uh, a gift from God, every day since uh, I was a little kid. So I was born in most of the beautiful places in Earth. I was born in the Kivu Great Lakes region in, in Congo. Uh, this region is uh, very well known for its unique and rich uh, biodiversity and for its soil very rich in minerals. Um, my dad um, was a teacher a writer, a poet, and most importantly, he was a real nature lover. <laughs> and I think my love and my passion for, for nature came from him. Uh, I remember that everywhere my, my family lived, uh, we were kind of far from um, the gem of the city life, lifestyle and always close to the, to the calm and to the peace of, of, of nature. Uh, our home was always uh, surrounded by trees, by uh, very strange insects and animals, tropical plants everywhere. And my life was like, I was like a little Tarzan in, in those uh, bushes and forests, sort of. Uh, and my dad, I remember, loved uh, watching nature documentaries. And when I was almost uh, 13, I started to watch those documentaries with him. And uh, I remember one French documentary 
we like to watch every Friday night. Fr Friday night. Uh, it, the name of the, the documentary was Talasa. Talasa uh, is a Greek word which means, uh, I think, uh, ocean or sea. And that uh, documentary uh, clearly made me realize that uh, nature is uh, essential in our lives. So we, we are nothing without, uh, without nature. So, but what makes me sometimes uh, sad, like previously we were talking about different uh, problem we are having right now uh, with our climate and environment. And those problems are making me sad because uh, we are part of the problem, right? And I think uh, we need uh, to keep caring of this, this planet. This planet is the only home we, we got here. We don't have a planet B, C, or any letter of the alphabet. So, and this planet is the only one we are going to bequeath to the next uh, generations, right? So, my connection or my passion with na for, for nature is, I would say, part of my father's legacy. And everywhere I go, every day, everywhere I live, I do my best to, to share a piece of that legacy with other people. So that's why currently I'm trying to develop this nonprofit um, to share this love for nature with uh, the youngest amongst us. And uh, this nonprofit is located in Claxton. And right now we are trying to raise a learning garden for kids in, in Claxton. And hopefully next, next month we're going to start our gardening and nature lessons in that uh, learning garden. Uh, today um, I'm really happy to be uh, a member of this beautiful community, this community that really care for the planet. And I am really deep, deeply uh, grateful for that. So before I finish my talk, um, I want to invite us uh, to thank God for his gorgeous creation by making uh, everyday Earth Day. And I think that way we can make this place again beautiful. Thank you so much for your attention and uh, happy Earth Day. Good morning. So I'm considerably older than Patrick, so we're going to have to go back 60 years to get to my middle school uh, time. Um, even in middle school, I was fascinated by the natural world, and I was already running my little experiments to see how the world worked. And in that, I learned a fundamental truth. Mother Nature has laws. For example, Newton's law of gravitation, you remember the apple and everything, Newton, um, we want and need gravity to be essentially the same over space and time. There's going to be a lot of trouble if it's not. So our church is raising money for the playground out there, swings, slides, monkey bars, a picnic table or two. We have no plans to raise money to construct a protective cover 
against unforeseen gravity waves that might cause our children to float away like helium balloons. Why? Gravity's a law. You're not getting out of this. Nature's laws are not amenable to opinion polls. They're not subject to different viewpoints. They can't be revisited by the Supreme Court. They simply are. And while the example of gravity might seem trivial, there's another law that's been the subject of much contention. Increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere raises the temperature of the ground. It was known in the 1800s, folks. So in the 1990s, I had friends who didn't believe in global warming. Actually, I still do, but okay. Even the news media was presenting both sides at the time. And as I thought about how to foster greater understanding and acceptance of this law, I realized that engaging faith communities could be a powerful approach. So that realization led me to study at the Candler School of Theology to develop language to foster preservation of the planet. Let me tell you just one story from my Candler days about a lunch I had with a fellow student who believed that as Christians, our duty was to help others elevate their standard of living to match ours in the United States. My feeling was, what? No, <laughs> no. If everybody lived as we do, it would require the resources of five planet Earths. We just heard that we don't have planets B, C, D, and E, and we don't. We have the James Webb Telescope, but we do not have five planet Earths. What we need is a core belief that we must save the Earth we have. We need a lifestyle to preserve the planet's air and water and land, and we need plans to save the living species of the Earth as a legacy for us and our children and our children's children's children. About 50% of our clinical drugs are derived one way or another from nature, from this incredible gift of these living organisms. Um, in this context, I teach courses about preserving biodiversity at Georgia State. Uh, and I try to encourage the students there to think about it. Now, as a society, we have to use less energy. So on a practical level, what does our family do? Well, we measure our electricity consumption, yes, kilowatt right here, and try to figure out where's, where all our vampire electric devices are and turn them off. We use a thermal camera to check for areas that are either too hot in the winter or too, too, in the summer, too cold in the winter, and work to insulate them. And I've started a lending library at Georgia State of all these measurement instruments so that students can take them home and, and work on that. My son, some of you know him, is a huge advocate for heat pumps, both for hot water and for heating and cooling the house. They use significantly less electricity, so that reduces CO2 emissions. And incidentally, his hot water heat pump saves him about a dollar a day, which is a nice thing. So you may be thinking, I don't know anything about heat pumps. But there are people who do. And while it might be non-standard to have a Sunday school on, say, caring for aging family and friends in the library and heat pumps 101 in the parlor, could happen. Solar is a big part of our collective future. Now, my house is not a good candidate for solar, but it doesn't really matter where my solar panels are located. A photon turned into an electron helps no matter where this happens. So the roof of this church is a fine place for my solar panels. And finally, we need to pressure our elected officials to move definitively on these issues. And I know that this is an area which I don't do nearly enough, but all of us can help with this.
As we move forward together, the church has a special role because we understand things that the general society does not. So our understanding of sacrifice can help us explain to others why sacrifices are necessary to preserve the world. We understand Sabbath and rest, and maybe this will help us move forward to a sustainable future. Perhaps we can learn to do more with less, or even as Christians accept that less may be enough. We have only one habitable planet, the Earth. We've got no other options, no other homes. We can't get out of the law of global warming. So let us come together as a community of faith and work tirelessly, tirelessly to protect and preserve this wonderful gift. For truly, the earth is the Lord's.